Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Mr. Fundamentals podcast with me, your host, Josh Wilson, aka Mr. Fundamentals. Got a good podcast for you today talking about the NBA playoffs. They are underway, started this weekend, and uh, going to give you a, a look at each of the first round matchups and my predictions for the playoffs uh, as a whole. And so we'll start things off in the Eastern Conference with the 1-8 matchup, the Celtics and the Chicago Bulls. Uh, obviously, uh, tragic news going into Game 1 uh, the day before the game. Uh, Isaiah Thomas's 22-year-old sister, China Thomas, uh, tragically uh, died in a, in a car crash. Uh, obviously, you know, sending out the best to him and his family and... Uh, just a, a terrible thing to happen. Um, and, and, you know, there were questions about whether or not Isaiah Thomas would be able to play in game one. He was very emotional, you could see, prior to the game. Uh, and then also uh, during the game, you, you could you could see it uh, welling up at times. But, uh, you know, he went out there and he just played an, an unbelievable game to, to come off of uh, just having such a heartbreaking news uh, to go out there and play the way he did it was uh, unbelievable and you know regardless of the outcome of the game even you know, I think everyone I can I hope I can say everyone was was rooting for Isaiah Thomas last night uh, because you know he, he just seems like a, a great guy from everything you hear about him and he he works hard and uh, just tragic for his whole family uh, but of course, there is the uh, the basketball side to this uh, that we have to talk about, and uh, you know his availability for the rest of the series. We don't know what it's going to be, uh, depending on how everything else plays out. He he got over a, a hurdle last night. Uh, we'll we'll see if you know he can continue to stay afloat, and hopefully he will. Just because uh, you know again he he seems like a great guy, and you hate to see anything bad happen to to anyone, uh, but especially Isaiah Thomas. So hopefully he will be able to to be out there for the rest of the series and he can use uh, the game that, you know, we all love to to help heal him. Uh, But so in game one, the Bulls came away with a victory, uh, 106 to 102. Bulls are a a pretty trendy pick coming into the postseason. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people are, are always looking for any chance they can to say that a, a one seed is going to be vulnerable. And uh, certainly when you look at the, the Eastern Conference as a whole, there are some, some big uh, vulnerabilities on each of the teams. But you look at the Celtics, uh, really the big one for them is, you know, do they have that, that go-to guy, that real big-time all-star? Isaiah Thomas is a fantastic player who can – you know, score the rock at will, but do they have, uh, you know, someone that can really uh, trade buckets with Jimmy Butler because, uh, you know, it, it gets lost in the mix sometimes because uh, we do talk about so often putting a great team around uh, star players, but it's really important in this league to, to have the best player on the floor, and the Bulls have that with Jimmy Butler. So the Celtics are facing an uphill battle after losing game one, but... You know, I, I still think that 
uh, they're in control of this series. Like, you know, if you have have listened to me throughout the year, I've not been a fan of the Bulls. You know, they kind of stumbled their way into the eighth seed. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler is a fantastic player. Uh, they just have a really poorly constructed roster. And uh, after the trade deadline, they actually freed things up a little bit, moving uh, you know a good player like Taj Gibson. But uh, you know the the chance that now that they have to uh, capitalize on what had been mostly a lost season for a lot of uh, Bulls fans, and I think for the Bulls organization as a whole. You know, they, they really have a chance to do something here in the first round. So for the Celtics, you know, it becomes a question of who else is going to score other than Isaiah. You know, talked about this, I believe, last week about how, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas, fantastic player, especially so during the regular season, but he is someone who has, uh, has, hasn't been as great in the postseason, a uh, very limited sample size, of course, so far, but... You know, you look at a guy like him, um, you, you look at a guy, uh, someone who people have talked about a lot, Lou Williams, uh, you know, guys who rely so much on uh, trickery, especially fooling the officials. And, uh, you know, when, when they don't keep getting those calls and when the game becomes a little more physical, can they hang in there and, and still be effective? And, you know, Isaiah Thomas certainly was, but you saw, I think, uh, part of the problem with Isaiah Thomas, which, you know, People don't think it's a fair criticism all the time, but it comes with the fact that Thomas is so small that uh, you know it was relatively easy for Jimmy Butler to block that shot towards the end of the game uh, during Game One. So you know that'll be the the big question is can someone else step up? Whether it's Al Horford, uh, Avery Bradley, you know maybe Jay Crowder gets hot. They're gonna, they're going to need to rely on some of their role players to really step up. Both teams certainly will. Uh, but especially so for the Celtics because uh, Chicago can certainly do its best to focus in on Thomas, and, and I think you'll happily let other players on Boston beat you instead of uh, you know letting Isaiah Thomas go to work. Uh, but you know for the Bulls, you know they have the same kind of issue. Who else is going to score other than Jimmy Butler? Uh, you know they they really just have such a poorly constructed team when they're running. Rondo and Wade out there with Butler you know this is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league and it's hard to win games in the NBA today when you aren't able to shoot the three ball well Uh, but you know even without taking or making many threes they came away in game one with the win Uh, they do a great job of of getting inside and they have some really great size Bobby Portis had a fantastic game 19 points and nine boards in game one uh, the, you know, one of the best ways to really exploit the Celtics is on the glass because of how many uh, issues they have there and also attacking the rim because of their lack of rim protection. Uh, so you look at the way the Bulls played in game one, they did a great job of, uh, you know, just killing Boston on the board. And you, you look at, uh, I think, the way that Paul Zipser has done a great job of sliding into that uh, starting lineup for the Bulls here. Towards the end of the season, uh, he's now been moved back to the bench with Wade back. But Zipser really, uh, it, it's, it seems crazy to say, but he just makes them a better team when he's out there instead of Wade. Uh, you know, Dwayne Wade is still, yeah, he's a very effective player still, but, uh, you know, I, I think they might end up having to, to take a look at moving Zipser full-time into the starting rotation, changing that up. Uh, just because you know the Bulls, they they look better. You can bring Wade in 
off of the second unit, uh, rely maybe a little less on the creation from, you know, your Jerry and Grants. Um, but, you know, I, I think a really good showing for Chicago in game one and Boston, they played fairly well. Uh, but of, of course, you know, they, they waited, uh, I think a little too late to really, uh, step on the gas and, you know, Chicago did a great job hanging in there. They they got down early, uh, but, you know, the game went back and forth. And I think when you look at the rest of the series, I'm still taking the Celtics in six games. Uh, you know, I, I fully expect them to come away with a win in game two. Uh, that's going to be really hard for the Bulls to, I think, really sneak out two wins in a row against Boston. So, you know, I, I just I really like uh, Boston's chances going forward and, even when the Bulls return home and, and have the home court advantage, I still think that Boston is just such a better team. Uh, you know, they even though they don't necessarily have that top-tier talent uh, that even the Bulls have with Butler, their depth and I think just the ability for any of uh, their role players to step up is, uh, is a really good sign for Boston going forward. And so, you know, I'm taking them in this first series. Uh, of course, they're going to really need to come away with a win in game two because if you go to Chicago down two games to nothing, you're really digging yourself a deep hole there. Now the two versus seven matchup, you get the Cavaliers and the Pacers. The Cavs towards the end of the season uh, decided to rest finally after uh, myself and many others have been calling for it. Um, and, and, you know, they end up falling into the two seed and they play a Pacers team that... I would say uh, most people think has really underachieved this year. You know, they have some really good pieces, but uh, when Frank Vogel left and they lost some of their guys like Jan Mahinmi, Solomon Hill, uh, George Hill, you know, they they really lost a a big chunk of their identity. So this team has kind of been really finding its way throughout the whole year, and they're still a pretty dangerous team. Again, you have a great player with Paul George heading up this team. He was on fire down the stretch. Um, but the Cavaliers, they come away with a winning game one, close game, 109-108. And uh, really, I mean, at this point with the Cavaliers, it's all just about execution. Uh, it, it it seems very simple, and that's because it is. As long as they go out there and they make plays and they're making their shots, there's no reason why they shouldn't easily put away this Pacers team uh, you know, in game one, Cavaliers were 14 for 27 from the line. I mean, if you shoot at a, a 70% rate from the line, that it, it changes the game, let alone shooting uh, 50% from the line. So the Cavs really need to just focus on executing, making the right plays, not trying to do too much because, uh, you know, this is their series to lose, really. And uh, even though they... We're struggling down the stretch and uh, don't have the, the depth necessarily that they hope. They still have really talented players with LeBron James, of course, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. Uh, even if they aren't clicking on all cylinders, uh, there's just no reason that they shouldn't beat Indiana. And the Pacers, you know, the key for them is going to be hitting their threes. Uh, you know, they're a team that has some really solid shooters, but in the second half of the season, they really uh, didn't shoot too well from the outside. Thaddeus Young, after getting off to a great start, uh, just did not take many threes in the second half of the season. 
Uh, you know, again, Paul George, phenomenal player. He'll be a big key to their success. But if you have C.J. Miles coming off the bench, you have you know Jeff Teague, uh, those guys knocking down threes, uh, really opens up the floor for the Pacers. And if you can give uh, Paul George extra space, then uh, you know that's just fantastic for them. The ability to to spread the floor and open up the lanes for him. Uh, you know, it'll be fun to see Miles Turner the way he plays. Uh, really getting his his first big chance at uh, showing what he has, and he's going to be a key part of their future. And, you know, the Pacers, they brought in Lance Stevenson uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, he's he's a wild card, really, in this series. He could be uh, someone who, who makes some big plays, uh, but, you know, he really hasn't shown much this year. He, he's really struggled uh, during his stints with New Orleans, uh, with Minnesota. So we'll see what he does. He, he had a pretty solid game one, but this is a guy who works really on his his own uh, his own clock. And, uh, you know, if, if he isn't gelling with the rest of that roster, it's not really going to help anything because you know, if you've watched Lance Stevens in the past few years, you see a guy who just likes to pound the rock a lot and, and isn't really focused on, on moving the ball or uh, on playing team defense all the time, but he can be a spark plug when you need it. So uh, his play will be crucial, but uh, again, you know, it, it speaks poorly uh, of the rest of the Pacers roster that they're going to be relying on him to play really well. So I'm taking the Cavaliers in five. I think that they, uh, they do just falter in one game. Uh, going into Indiana, it's a pretty tough place to play. Uh, they typically have some really great crowds and you know just having to go up against a guy like Paul George uh, you know I think they'll come away with one game ultimately and people are gonna start hitting even more of the panic button on the Cavaliers but I'm not there yet you know I'm still riding it out with them the 3-6 matchup uh, possibly might be the most competitive matchup in the whole first round Raptors Bucks uh, the Raptors the three seed they they just have not really looked the same since Kyle Lowry went down, and it's unfortunate they made the trade to acquire Serge Ibaka, and, and things were looking uh, good for them. Like, this could be their, their year to really challenge the Cavaliers, but they dropped game one, 97-83. And, uh, you know, normally I think you talk about how great uh, Toronto's flexibility is, these guys who... Uh, you know they can play two, uh, two three guard sets, and uh, really play small, smaller lineups. But against the Bucks, it's really tough to do just with their length. Uh, Thon McCurr got the start at center, and, and even though he only played about 15 minutes, uh, just his athleticism gels so well with the rest of the guys in the lineup, and, and their length really wreaks havoc on opposing teams. And we saw that with the Raptors, and this is already a, a Toronto team that has had several questions about it uh, just in terms of their past postseason performances. You look at the struggles Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have had previously in the postseason. Kyle Lowry, 2 for 11 in game one, over 6 from 3, just 4 points. DeRozan was just 7 for 21 from the field. Those guys really need to step up if they're going to be in it. And, you know, again, talking about the length, uh, it just creates a lot of real problems for Toronto, and they already aren't a very athletic team. 
you know, even you look at someone like Kyle Lowry, fantastic player, but someone who, who's going to struggle against longer players. And, and other than DeRozan, they don't necessarily have too many elite athletes, Ibaka as well, but they're relying a lot on just uh, really sound basketball players. And when you see Lowry especially struggling, it's not a good sign to, to start the series for the Raptors. Uh, you know they did a great job of getting to the line. They were 24 of 33. The Bucks were 12 of 15. When you look at that much of a disparity at the line, you would expect, especially for the Raptors to have come out on top. But again, you know they really need to regroup and figure things out. I think one adjusting adjustment uh, Dwayne Casey might need to make is I don't know how effective you can be playing uh, the two guard lineup of. Uh, Lowry and Corey Joseph, you know, I, I've been a big fan of that lineup. You know, I think there are some really great spots for it. But again, the the length of Milwaukee, uh, I think it's just really hard to play with those two out there at the same time. And you need to combat Milwaukee's length. You don't want to fall into playing their game necessarily, but you need to be able to have the length and versatility to compete with them. And also just a great time for Milwaukee in game one. Uh, Greg Monroe had a fantastic game off the bench, provides a nice scoring punch for them down low, and also uh, a guy who isn't really known for his defense but made some really fantastic uh, defensive plays. Uh, I'm still taking the Raptors in seven. Uh, I'm excited. I I do think this series has a chance to go to the the distance, and uh, ultimately I think the Raptors, even despite their flaws, they're still just a better team, and I'm hesitant to say that I don't think that Lowry is going to have a worse game than he did in game one. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of it is just the fact that he seems to struggle during the postseason, how much of it is uh, maybe he just isn't completely right since coming back from the injury. But, you know, I, I like the Raptors to rebound and ultimately take this series. But uh, it's going to be just a lot of fun watching these two teams go at it. Uh, watching Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's just unbelievable, ton of fun to watch. That block he had during Game One it was just ridiculous, and uh, you know it's going to be a great series. But I'm taking Raptors in seven. The four-five matchup in the East: Wizards Hawks. Uh, you know this is a, a matchup that I think earlier in the year. Uh, people would have been a lot more excited about. The Hawks have been one of the streakiest teams in the league. They got off to a, a fairly poor start. They trade uh, Kyle Korver, and, and then all of a sudden they really start picking things up, and I believe they were at one point the two seed in the East uh, around the middle of the season, but they've really fallen off, and uh, just they play is completely inconsistent just because uh, of, you know, I think the changes with their team. They went away from that Spursian style that they play offensively. They bring in a guy like Dwight Howard who kind of contradicts the way that they want to play, even though he's still a a great player and he's been uh, great for them defensively and on the glass. But, you know, this team just doesn't really have the depth that, that I think they were hoping to have going into the year. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, very talented player, but uh, both he and uh, Tim Hardaway, one of them will need to step up. Uh, guys can be inconsistent, certainly, and, and aren't necessarily two guards you really want to be relying on. Uh, Tavo Cephalosha is coming back from an injury. He didn't play in Game 1. Uh, he, he was supposedly healthy, so we'll see what the deal is there because 
he could be, uh, I think, a big key in, into uh, slowing down John Wall, who just had an unbelievable first game uh, as, as the Wizards took game one. And, and, you know, things got really physical, and it's fun to watch. I mean, you have Dwight Howard and Marcin Gortat, former teammates in Orlando, going at it. You got Paul Millsap, who's one of the best power forwards in the league, with Markeith Morris, who is uh, typically overlooked uh, just because of his, his past struggles off the court. But uh, he had an unbelievable game one. And, uh, you know, even though the Wizards don't have a ton of depth, you know, I, I still like them in this series. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a competitive series, but I just don't count on the Hawks to to really be out there uh, playing consistently. So I have the Wizards in five. Uh, the big question for the Wizards will be, you know, when can Jan Mahinmi return? He missed game one. Uh, Jason Smith went down briefly with an injury. Uh, even though, you know, he's a he's a fairly limited player, he's still a, a big upgrade over uh, Daniel Otrafu, who they have on the bench. So, you know, they really just need to come out of this series healthy uh, and, and, and be prepared for the second round. But, you know, I think it's still going to be uh, some pretty good games. I just I don't know that I'm relying on the Hawks to ultimately be able to to pull away towards the end of the game if they get the lead uh you know it, it was interesting seeing uh the play of, of Torian Prince he, he's a guy who I like coming into the year uh certainly got more playing time during the second half of the season and he could be uh helpful for them as well I think uh, you know if, if there are streaks where the Hawks maybe want to try to uh, spread the floor more they could Try to go small, especially with the Wizards' lack of depth. And if Gortat isn't out there, you take Dwight off. You put Prince and uh, hopefully healthy Cephalosha out there with Millsap, and you have a pretty dynamic uh, front court that can that can be really effective defensively, but also score the ball and, and spread the floor. Um, but really, you know, ultimately the Hawks have to find a way to slow down John Wall and, and Bradley Beal because they were both just fantastic in Game One. And uh, you're not getting past Washington if you aren't slowing them down. So now over to the Western Conference. Uh, start with the 1-8 matchup, the Warriors and the Blazers. Uh, this was a, actually it was a very entertaining game one, uh, I think. Coming into this series, you're certainly expecting a lot of scoring, and game one lived up to it. The Warriors took it 121-109. to uh, The Blazers just have such an awesome dynamic backcourt with uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, guys who can just score the ball at will. And they were both fantastic, but the problem with Portland is they just don't have a ton else around the two of them. Defensively, they certainly struggle. Uh, you know, it's nice to see Al-Farouk Amino back. He, he's, I think, plays a plays an underrated role in their success, certainly. Uh, you know, they have Mo Harkless as well, but uh, the team is missing... Yusuf Nurkic for game one. It's unclear whether he's going to play at all for the rest of the series. Uh, the Blazers are certainly more concerned about the future. Um, and I think when you look at the, the Blazers, really a big problem is their lack of depth when you have uh, Shabazz Napier and Noah Vonley, who you're relying on to give big minutes. Uh, neither guys who have really shown so much so far in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, I, I think really the, the Blazers will certainly be looking to uh, to steal at least one game during this series. 
you no one ever wants to be swept, but especially with how competitive those guys are, how competitive uh, CJ and Dame are. And, and, you know, things got a little chippy during game one, and, and uh, you know, guys were sniping back and forth, and it was a lot of fun to watch, and there's going to be a lot of fireworks in these games. Uh, it should be a great watch, even though, you know, I think the Warriors are going to sweep, take this in four. And really for the Warriors, the the thing they're focusing on is making sure that Durant is healthy and, and right. He looked great since uh, returning from injury, and, you know, he has historically, once he's come back, uh, as long as he's healthy, uh, you know, when he's out there, he's fantastic. So they're obviously just focusing on having a healthy team going forward. And so I like the Warriors to win in four. The 2-7 matchup, Spurs-Grizzlies. Uh, this was a, a game at early on I, I think people were looking at as uh, possibly another Spurs-Grizzlies classic. Uh, these two teams have met before in the playoffs with the Grizzlies. Uh, even knocking off the Spurs, I believe, during a 2-7 matchup in the past. Uh, but, you know, the Spurs team, I think, they just, even though they operate so much through Kawhi Leonard, he's such an unbelievable player. I talked last week about he's the MVP for me. Uh, they come away with a big win in Game 1, 111-82. to uh, And again, with the Spurs, it's very similar to the Cavaliers. Uh, even though the Grizzlies are a far superior team than uh, the Indiana Pacers, when you look at the Spurs, it's ultimately just about their execution. And as long as they execute, they should be fine. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies are going to be relying heavily on, on hitting their shots, uh, as, as every team does. You know, it sounds cliche, but they really need to convert on sh- their shots. They shot just thirty nine point two percent from the field in game one, and and with them, you know, it's a question of who else is going to step up besides Gasol and, and Conley. Uh, you know, they're gonna probably need one of their role players or two of their role players to have big games for them to stay in it. You're looking at, you know, James Ennis, Jermichael Green. Uh, you know, maybe there's a Troy Daniels game in this series where he goes off and and just lights it up from deep. But, uh, you know, with the Spurs, they really just need to execute. They have far and away the best player out there in Kawhi Leonard. And even though, uh, you know, they Gasol and Conley are certainly difficult matchups for them, uh, the Spurs, they just operate so well. And, uh, you know, even though this has been a competitive series in the past, I'm taking the Spurs in five. Uh, I, I think that just with the development of Leonard and uh the way that they're composed and even though I, I think this Grizzlies team is is uh, sort of underrated I don't think this is really the same type of team in the past you know it's not the same Zach Randolph out there uh, Tony Allen not being healthy is, is really hurting them not having that guy who, who they can throw on Kawhi uh, and, and get stops so uh, Spurs in five and uh, you know I expect the games to be more competitive than game one, but ultimately uh, San Antonio is just going to be too much for Memphis. A 3-6 matchup, uh, I think the series that people are looking forward to the most, Rockets-Thunder, the matchup of uh, two of the top MVP candidates, James Harden against Russell Westbrook. And uh, for some people, it was a bit of a surprise in game one. The Rockets come away with a 118-87 victory. Uh, the Thunder, you know, the question with them, as has been made clear by many other people, is will they be able to score enough? Uh, the Rockets do such a tremendous job of scoring the ball, getting up efficient shots. And when you look at 
uh, you know, them being headed up by James Harden, uh, Oklahoma City is certainly going to be playing catch-up a lot if they cannot make their shots. And we saw in Game 1, Russell Westbrook struggled, uh, but, you know, you expect them to be better going forward. Victor Oladipo had, had just a dreadful Game 1, and, you know, their other players weren't really making shots, so this team is going to be relying on other people to to be hitting their shots. Otherwise, this isn't going to be a very competitive series, and I already don't think it's going to be competitive as, as most people do. You know, I'm, I'm taking the Rockets in five. I had them in five uh, going into the playoffs. I just really, I think you look at the Thunder, they're, they're a really nice story if you love, you know, the narrative uh, of Russell Westbrook, but ultimately, once you get past the, the top five seeds, out west, you're, you're taking, I think, a big step down to the Thunder at six. And even though, you know, they have plenty of talent around Russell Westbrook, uh, I just I don't think they really match up well because of the fact that, uh, you know, the Rockets have guys that they can throw at Westbrook defensively, whether it's Beverly uh, or, or Reza. And, and that Beverly-Westbrook matchup is, is certainly going to be uh, fun again. It's, there's been some flares in the past. Westbrook ended up injured previously during a playoff matchup between the two uh so it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a great series to watch uh you don't have to look for oklahoma city to get physical with the rockets uh houston doesn't really have uh too many big tough guys other than the down low uh, so you look at you want to get inside and and really rough up ryan anderson and, and go at clint capella and, and try to just out muscle houston and, and work your way from the inside out in terms of shooting. This is a team that doesn't have a ton of shooting, but when you have you know guys like Taj Gibson, Ennis Cantor, and Steven Adams inside, uh, you know I think they're going to be relying on those guys heavily to to uh, bruise the the Rockets defensively and and maybe look to uh, affect them on the offensive end that way. But you know I'm taking the Rockets in five. And uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a particularly close series. Now, the 4-5 matchup, Clippers and the Jazz. The Jazz came away with a thrilling Game 1 victory, 97-95. A big shot by Iso Joe, Joe Johnson, just with another amazing shot. He is one of the best crunch time players in the league, and he had a great Game 1. And the Jazz, in the first minute of the game, they lost one of their best players Rudy Gobert went down injured he's been ruled out for game two um and you know certainly when he went down injured in game one uh I think a lot of people were expecting the Jazz to uh perhaps fold but this is a really talented team even though their identity uh, rests heavily on having Gobert uh, at center anchoring that defense uh they just have such a great team around him and uh you know really with Gobert out for game two and, and who knows how much longer uh you know that that's going to be that Derek Favors really has a bigger role he's going to have to step up uh, can he hold up you know the announcers were talking about that he he looked uh, a little tired a little shaken up out there towards the end of the game so how effective will he be can they get you know Rodney Hood who I think has been a d- bit of a disappointment this year coming off the bench now for Utah will he step up and uh, for the Clippers, really, they they weren't making their shots in, in game one. Uh, they were getting some good looks. They just weren't getting uh, anything to fall. Jamal Crawford 
had uh, several shots just kind of rim out. So obviously, you know, it's a make or miss league and the Clippers need to go out there and make their shots. But they came into the series. Chris Paul talked about uh, speeding up the tempo of the game. The Jazz really love to, to slow it down and grind out possessions. Um, and, and certainly if Gobert is out there, that's what you want to do. You, you want to try to run Utah out of the gym. And, uh, you know, this is actually, it's, it's a pretty good matchup for the Clippers. Uh, you know, I think the, the Jazz were playing with a little bit of extra adrenaline maybe when Gobert went down. Uh, I, I expect the Clippers to turn things around in game two here. They have a guy in DeAndre Jordan who, when Gobert is out there or not, really helps uh, in the pick-and-roll game with Chris Paul. They have one of the best players in the league in Chris Paul. He showed... Uh, again, just everything he's capable of doing on both sides of the ball. Uh, but I, I think in, in this series, and if the Clippers advance in the postseason, that Paul really needs to look to be more of a scorer. It's uh, It's been a criticism of him at times during the past. Uh, it's something that I've said before about him. Uh, I think sometimes he, he wants too much to set up other guys to score, and he, he needs to look more at, at just attacking, getting to the rim, and also uh, taking more shots from the outside. Um, because, you know, the the Clippers, they can start to fall apart at times. You know, I think a lot of people are, are expecting this postseason to go very poorly for them. But uh, when you have a guy who, who's as smart and talented as Chris Paul, uh, I think you really need him to, to step up and, and look to be more uh, attacking throughout the game and, and look to score the ball more. Uh, but, you know, again, for the Clippers, you, you see Blake Griffin, he had a great first three quarters. He fell off during the fourth. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was playing solid throughout, but they're going to need someone else other than those three to step up. J.J. Redick and, and Jamal Crawford have pretty rough first games, especially shooting the ball. Uh, but, you know, who else is going to come up big for them? I'm still taking the Clippers. I had them in six going into the series. I'm sticking with that. Uh, it's not a good sign that they lost the first game. Uh, going into Utah won't be easy, but I think just, uh, you know, you look at the way this team is constructed, and Utah really is a matchup that they should be able to exploit, despite how, you know, I think very highly of, of the Jazz. Uh, you know, I think they're they're two pretty decently matched teams, but again, when you talk about uh, having the best player out there, the Clippers have Chris Paul, and uh, he, he has, whenever he's out there, he's, he's typically done a great job against, you know, teams that aren't necessarily the most elite teams. And, and I expect him to, to help carry the Clippers past the Jazz in the first round in six. So that does it for the first round previews. Uh, going to go through quickly now. Uh, I'll continue to cover throughout the postseason, but I'll go through quickly now and, and give uh, the rest of my predictions for the postseason. So. Back to the Eastern Conference, had the Celtics winning in the first round. They'll play. They play with the winner of the four-five matchup, the Wizards and Hawks. And I had the Wizards, and uh, I think you know this is really uh, where the Wizards take off. I think they they win in the second round against the Celtics again. You know, the Celtics will will throw Bradley and maybe Crowder and certainly Marcus Smart at John Wall, but I think John Wall just creates. Uh, uh, so much momentum for the, the Wizards offensively and the the way he's able to get to the rim and just the fact that uh, Boston has no one to, to step up and, and shut down the rim there. Uh, I like the Wizards in the series. You know, I, I think just uh, even though they aren't the deepest team and, and that's really the strength of Boston when these playoff 
games happen, you shrink the bench, and uh, you're really looking at that top-tier talent. And the Wizards just have such tremendous balance when they have uh, you know their starting five out there, plus they have Bogdanovich and Kelly Oubre off the bench. And you know even if, if they can get some kind of consistent play out of uh, Jason Smith or Jan Mahinmi when they're healthy, I think the Wizards are a really dangerous team. But uh, just their ability to score the ball, they have certainly some struggles on the defensive end but having Gortat there I think he's a guy who will certainly uh, uh, make an impact on the defensive end and you know you look at these teams earlier in the year the Wizards had the funeral game uh, and you know I'm I'm really hoping to see this series just because I think it's going to be a lot of fun the Wizards are, are a team that uh, hasn't always gotten haven't always gotten the respect that they deserve and and you know they play with a chip on their shoulder and and Gortat is a a very excitable guy I'll say uh and, and you know the Celtics certainly have their fair share of of guys who play with a chip on their shoulder and uh who who don't feel they get the respect they deserve so it's going to be a really fun series if if it happens I, I do think it will happen but ultimately you know I I'd take the Wizards in 6 uh, I, I really love uh, just the way that, that they can play. And, and I think during the postseason when you have John Wall, again, you have John Wall out there, the best player on the on the court. Uh, you know, I, I think things are going to be looking good for the Wizards. The, th- the, uh, the, the second matchup in the Eastern Conference semis, uh, I would have being the Cavaliers and the Raptors, a rematch. Uh, again... I mean, it, it seems so silly to say, but with the Cavaliers, it's really just about execution. As long as they are out there uh, executing, I, I think that they should be able to beat the Raptors. When the Cavaliers are right, they're just much better than uh, any of these other teams in the Eastern Conference. And even though I, I don't know the necessarily that we're going to see that Cavaliers team this postseason, uh, I still think they'll be too much for the Raptors, uh, obviously the Cavaliers are relying heavily on LeBron, and they don't, you know, this is the kind of series where they could really miss having a Matthew Dellavedova on their team, a guy who can defend the point guards uh, or, or shooting guard position really well when you, you're looking at, certainly uh, it's going to be harder for them to, to hide Kyrie defensively, uh, but you can throw him out there on Damari Carroll and... Uh, you know the Raptors. They're a team that has uh, some some pretty good athleticism and and size to a mix of athleticism and size to combat the Cavaliers' uh, size and also their ability to to stretch the floor. The Cavaliers aren't the most athletic team out there, so uh, I think this will be a a pretty good matchup. But again, uh, I take the Cavaliers in, in six. And, you know, I think they're going to have their ups and downs throughout this postseason, but ultimately uh, I'm just expecting LeBron to, to work his magic. And I would leave the Cavaliers and the Wizards in the Eastern Conference 2-4 in the Conference Finals. Um, I, I, it's really hard, I think, to, to just not trust in LeBron at this point. And, uh, you know, you kind of, you just rely on him until he starts breaking down and uh, we see just how effective he can be you know playoff LeBron looked really good in game one against the Pacers and I think uh, you know 
I, I just don't expect the the Cavaliers to really struggle uh, all that much. Uh, even though I do think the Wizards are a tough matchup with them, just because of that athleticism, uh, you have you know uh, much like the Raptors, you have two very dynamic scoring guards with John Wall and Bradley Beal. So uh, things won't be easy, but I would take the Cavaliers in seven. Uh, you know, I, I do think that the the Wizards are the team best uh, equipped to challenge the Cavaliers just because uh, of, uh, you know, they have guys that they can throw at LeBron on the wings and then also, uh, you know, just the ability of their two guards to, to score. We saw them light it up in game one, and that will create problems for Cleveland, but I'm taking them in seven to advance uh, to the NBA Finals. So, now down to the Western Conference second round matchup, the Warriors and Clippers. Um, you know, th- this is really I think one of the the worst situations the Clippers have been in besides last season since Chris Paul joined the team. Uh, they played well down the stretch, but uh, you know Blake Griffin he he played well down the stretch, but I just don't think he's the same player that he was a few years ago. And, uh, you know, they're really going to need Chris Paul to just dominate. And they're probably going to need to hope for an injury for the Warriors if they're going to beat them. Uh, even though the Warriors have had so much success in it, I just think it's so hard to to sweep the Clippers in a series. So I would say I'd take the Warriors in five. Um, and, and, and I expect it to be, you know, some of the other games will be close, but again, the Warriors are just too much for most teams, and they especially create a rough matchup for the Clippers, who don't really have the, the talent on the wings to combat Golden State. So uh, taking the Warriors in five to advance to the conference finals. The other matchup, the Spurs and the Grizzlies, uh, excuse me, the, the Spurs and the Rockets. Uh, a lot of people really love the Rockets here, uh, but I think I'm still going with the Spurs. Uh, I like Kawhi Leonard to to just take over and and you know I think this is going to be a really defining moment for him in this matchup. Um, the Spurs, their ability to to slow things down and, and also uh, be able to hang and and play up at at bigger at a uh, faster speeds, I think really bodes well for them in a matchup against the Rockets. And uh, just when you you look at the the depth that the Spurs have, and, you know, I, I think they'll be much better equipped for dealing with the Rockets' role players, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, guys who uh, I think aren't necessarily going to be as effective in the postseason. Um, you know, they create a, a really tough matchup for Rockets, and this will certainly be a really great se- series. Uh, I'd take the Spurs in seven. I do think it's going to be a, a close series, but Ultimately, I just think Kawhi Leonard is is just too much for the Rockets, and, and in a, a great matchup, I'm taking them. So Spurs-Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, still going with the Warriors. I think they just, you know, this whole postseason is really theirs to lose uh, as long as they're healthy. Even if, you know, they lose Kevin Durant, uh, I'm not so sure. Even if they didn't have Kevin Durant healthy at this time of year, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't take the Warriors still to win uh, just because of how much talent they have at the top of their rotation. And, and you know, I, I, I think it'll be a, a really good series. I take the Warriors in six. I think they're just, despite how great the Spurs are, the Warriors are just a far superior team. 
with that top tier talent and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Durant, uh, Draymond Green, and uh, you know I, I like them to to advance in six to make it to the finals. So then we have the third installment of Warriors Cavaliers. Unfortunately, unlike last year, I don't think it's going to be a very competitive series. Uh, I'd take the Warriors in five. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if they make it to six uh, or, or if it goes seven. Uh, I just I don't see anyone being able to beat this Warriors team. They're so good uh, with the guys that they have out there. And even though they, uh, they don't necessarily have the size to uh, fight against, you know, the Spurs or the Cavaliers. They just create so many other problems, and they're so good defensively, uh, especially when they have their small lineup out there with Draymond and Kevin Durant as the bigs. Uh, You know, the team is just so dynamic, so I'd take them in five games over Cleveland uh, to win. And... um, you know, again, you know, I, th- I think the Warriors are going to have a relatively easy time making it through this postseason just because they're so much better than any other team in the league right now. And so that does it for my playoff preview. Uh, sorry, getting this to you just after the postseason started. Um, I-, I hope you will still be able to enjoy it. And uh, again, I'll have continued coverage going forward as the playoffs roll on. So thank you for joining me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MrFundamental underscore J. Uh, you can follow my writing at 12up.com. I wrote a few uh, basketball pieces recently. I wrote about why the uh, Celtics would not make the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, As I talked about on this podcast, if you want a little bit more about the Celtics there, you can go check that out again at 12up.com. Uh, Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Wilson, a.k.a. Mr. Fundamentals. Have a great day.